Welcome back to the podcast. I'm Eric Silberman. And I'm Jane Crosby. Thanks for coming back. We're excited. Uh, this week we got a chance to talk to Rose Glenn from Michigan Medicine and had a really, really interesting conversation. Um, you know, she talked a lot about leadership, a lot about change management. You know, it, it harkens a little bit to our discussion uh, in the in the previous podcast, right, Jane, with, with Vanderbilt and, and Megan Proust and, and Mallory Yoder. Yeah, Megan and Mallory talked a lot about care transformation and the way Vanderbilt Health Affiliated Network is transforming the health and wellness of consumers across the state of Tennessee through their work with network providers. And current experience is quite a bit different, but I think throughout her career, there's a number of examples of how she's led really premier healthcare brands through times of strategic transformation. Right now, she said she's working on bringing 100 plus individual websites under one umbrella. She's working in an organization where there's multiple brands that live under the umbrella of Michigan Medicine. And so there's a lot of change management, I think, that she's doing in terms of perception and really a establishing who her organization is to consumers, to their students, to providers, and everyone else that they touch. You know, the the discussion was a lot about leadership. And, um, and one of the things that really stood out to me was Rose's commentary on the importance of kindness and the lack of necessity for sharp elbows on the rise in somebody's career. And it got me thinking, you know, I'm not ashamed to admit that as a young professional, I've wondered a lot about kind of the requisite sharp elbows of business in in one's career aspirations. And and I have to say that, you know, this this idea of um being a really supportive peer, a really supportive boss, a really supportive team member, and kind of leading through kindness, I think is a really, really important kind of component of the world today in business. And, you know, if I kind of thinking about other young professionals in business, it's it's a really important dimension, I think, of leadership to impart, you know, the the ability and acceptability of of being a nurturing member of a team and how we lift lift one another up. And I was really pleased to to hear Rose talk about that. And she talked some about mentorship in, in her own work. Um to talk about that a little bit, Jane. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting. The idea of leading through kindness, I think, can be really, really challenging for young women who are in a leadership role, particularly as you transition out of an individual contributor role and into a leadership role. It can be challenging to see that being competitive and having high expectations for yourself and for others doesn't mean you have to be a jerk. And there's a balancing act there. And being kind doesn't mean that you have to lose sight of career growth and business growth and all of the things that you want to achieve. Rose touched on that a little bit. And I do think it's important to talk about as we think about women and leadership and leading with empathy and support and helping build others up that being kind means being nice, but doesn't mean not pushing yourself and not pushing others and pushing your organization. And I think that's an important message for young women to hear. Uh, personally, I guess I've had the luxury of working, though, for men like you and uh, my former employer at Medicom, who 
really did support everyone on their teams. And so I personally haven't been challenged with feeling like because I'm a female, I don't have a voice throughout my career um, in the way that I'm sure Rose did early on. Um, And she touched on that a little bit too. So it's an interesting time that we're in. I think we've made so many strides for women. The task now for women is to learn how to lead and continue to advance their careers in a way that supports other women in particular. That can be really challenging. I've come across a lot of women and female leaders who don't seem to care if other women grow and advance in their careers, which I think is is tough to see. You know, I think Rose talked about something that that, that is a great kind of touchstone for all all professionals, which is this idea of knowing what you want and being able to take risks. And when you kind of juxtapose that with the narrative of of kindness and, and mentorship, you know, being being great to work with doesn't supersede the opportunity to have a really strong point of view and to take some risks and to you know kind of chart a course to to where you want to be and where you want to go and that was that was exciting to to hear and think about and and talk about yeah, I think it's great. One other thing that stood out to me in our conversation with Rose was the idea of generating buy-in through change management. Um, a lot of people like me don't exactly have the patience to go around the horn and get every single person who's going to be impacted on board and feeling like they've had ownership. But it's important. And anytime we make substantial changes, either as, as vendors or as clients, that ownership piece is important in making sure everyone feels like they have a voice and it sounds like Rose has done a great job of that throughout her career. It was an exciting, exciting discussion. I'm excited for uh, for all of our listeners to be able to, to kind of hear the the interview. Of course, you know, many thanks to Rose for joining us, and let's let's jump right into it. Rose Glenn, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. It really is a pleasure to be here. We feel very much the same way. You know, I've really enjoyed our discussions kind of leading up to, to recording the episode today and excited to be able to share your point of view with uh, with our listeners. So we had a whole host of stuff that um, that we want to we want to talk about and cover, but maybe just setting the stage for us a little bit. You um, are leading the the marketing communications for Michigan Medicine. Um, you've been at the helm of, of marketing communications for a number of prestigious ba- brands across the, the healthcare space nationally. Um, you know, tell us a little bit about kind of how you got to, to where you are today. Well, a lot of it was good fortune. Um, I've had um, some wonderful mentors along the way, but part of it is risk taking. Uh, I sort of had a vision for what I wanted to do. And I, in my mind, had a roadmap on how to get there. And so I came to Detroit in the 1980s and um, really fell in love with the city and really was impressed with the caliber of the health systems in Detroit. Henry Ford Health System was uh, my home for 18 years. And uh, now I'm at Michigan Medicine and there was just um, such high quality work going on here, innovative work. And it's, it's for people in our field, it's like a kid in a candy store. So I set my sights on wanting to be um, at a, a leadership role at one of the prestigious health systems here and made my progression of my career along the 
lines that would help me get here. So when we have talked before, Rose, you, you've talked a little bit about kind of intentionality and, and planning and, and certainly that that shows up and kind of you setting your sights on where you want to where you want to be and then and then you know drawing a line towards that and going for it but when you think about uh, emerging or aspiring leaders particularly in our space right in the healthcare space in particular and healthcare marketing and communications any kind of tips and tricks you want to share with the rest of us out here as we're we're kind of thinking about what's what's next in the road ahead well i always believe that in addition to having professional goals every year, you need personal goals. And if they're not part of the plan that you have in your organization, then write them down on your own and make them um, part of your overall direction for the year. Um, I think participating in mentor programs really help. And back in the days when, when I was First in our discipline, I, there weren't a lot of mentor programs. So I would either adopt informal mentors or later just ask, you know, asking the question of somebody that you admire, if you could um, meet with them once a month and have them as a mentor or talking to your HR department, because there may be programs you're not aware of. But I think you have to, to, to direct your career. I think you have to be assertive. And um, getting a, a, a strong mentor will help. I, I don't shy away from it today. Um, I was uh, asked to teach a class last fall that began in January at the University of Michigan in strategic communications and healthcare organizations. Now, I know a lot about that subject because I've been there for a while, but I didn't know a lot about teaching. And so I asked for a mentor and they assigned me one and it was so helpful. So I think making sure you you do that is really important. I also like to tell people that as important as it is to be assertive and um, to demonstrate strength and agility when it comes to change, it also is really important to demonstrate kindness. Um, I think a lot of people think that you soar in a career because of sharp elbows and being really hard on people. And I have actually found the opposite. I have found that um, being kind is a great way to inspire and retain your team members. When it comes to colleagues, um, if you have a strong relationship already that's rooted in kindness, it's going to be a little easier to influence. And so in a time when there hasn't been uh, a lot of kindness demonstrated, you know, I think that emphasizing that point is really important. Yeah, I think that's a, you know, really, really important dimension of, of leadership. And you're right. I mean, it's one that, you know, my view doesn't really get the airtime that it deserves. I and, mean, you know, it, it's natural, I think, for us to really take note of extremes, right? So so you do notice kind of exceptional leaders that, that lead from a really, you know, position of kindness and want to lift other people. But you also notice leaders who stand out for sharp for sharp elbows as well. And it's, I think it's easy to think about um, kind of one polar extreme or the other as, 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 as mattering. And, uh, and I think, you know, your point about kind of kindness and generosity and, and leadership is a really, really important one that, that I'm glad to hear you emphasize the mentorship piece. It's a two-way two-way street, right? I mean, you mentioned seeking out great mentors, but, but if I'm not mistaken, you're mentoring, a lot of folks 
right now in turn, right? I am. I, I feel that I owe it to the people um, who helped me. And so I really believe in mentoring uh, younger women and men um, who are in my same career field. And um, the Society for Healthcare Strategy and Market Development, Shishmet, offers a mentoring program. And uh, all you have to do is sign up and you'll be assigned a mentor. And I am mentoring three young women right now and really enjoying it. And I feel I get a lot out of talking to them and understanding where they're coming from uh, helps me with my younger team members. Um, these are women across the country. They're not in Michigan and uh, they face um, some similar, some different um, issues than I face here. And so I think it just really helps me stay in tune with um, my team members. Just out of curiosity, Rose, you know, was there was there a moment in time that you can reflect on where the student became the teacher? I mean, you know, you, you pointed out that you still seek out mentors in your professional life, and I think that's great. But, you know, is there is there a moment in time that you remember kind of along the trajectory where you decided that you had the opportunity to go kind of give back in the way that you just articulated? Oh, probably many times. Um, you know, I, I'll just go back to the most recent example of teaching at a university. Um, I decided that uh, even though I had 30 plus years of experience in healthcare communications and I knew the subject, I wasn't sure if I knew it in a way that was going to make it easy for children, children, adults to learn. And so um, having uh, a woman who was an experienced faculty member show me her syllabus and talk through it with me and tell me um, some of the tricks of the trade. And we were all learning midway through the semester because COVID hit and we had to start teaching remotely. And that's when the students in my class actually became my teacher because they showed me um, how to do things on Zoom that I wasn't doing correctly. They were so helpful. And um, again, it, it's be, being willing to be open and learn and say what you don't know. Uh, I, I sometimes had my hands up in the air saying, okay, guys, help me out with this one. I'm not sure how to do it. And uh, they were almost always really savvy with technology and could immediately help. Yeah, absolutely. That's neat perspective, Rose. I really like your perspective about kindness in a leadership role and how it relates to also empowering women to find their voice and grow in their careers. Sounds like it's both topics that you're very passionate about. I think one of the things that women struggle with, and I wrestle with it almost every day, is the difference between kindness and being nice in a leadership role. And women, I think, are often expected to be nice and to be delicate. But you can be kind while being competitive and focused on growing a business and growing in your career. What advice do you have for young women who are maybe struggling with that same thing and want to grow their careers and do so in a way that's kind to everyone around them and growing others too. I'm really glad you brought that up, Jane, because being kind is different than being passive or not speaking up, um, not making a case for something you're passionate about. Those are all really important things to do. I believe that uh, a lot of the mentors that I learned from really showed how to get a point across in a meeting um, without being mean, without um, uh, making enemies. And it could be absolutely opposite of what someone else thought. 
but bringing up the um, rationale in a confident way. And confidence is a big piece of that. Um, I, I know a young woman um, who was told uh, during a, a mid-year review that she should be more deferential in meetings. And that really concerned me because um, deference sounds like you're supposed to take a seat back and not speak up, even if you're knowledgeable about the subject or if you are contributing to the discussion in a meaningful way. So I would say that people really need to be intentional when they coach young people and make sure they're intentional around the subject of helping the person progress and not not um, going back to some what I consider very old fashioned thinking about deferring to um, whether it's the male in the room or the older person, but helping cultivate that person's confidence. That's really good perspective. Um, it's refreshing to hear that. And I think our listeners will appreciate it too. Uh, when it comes to team development, another thing that you've shared with us heretofore that I think is really valuable is your approach to continuous learning and development. Your team at Michigan Medicine is so busy and you have so many changes that you're going through at your organization. How do you keep things relevant and help your team come together to learn new skills and new leadership qualities over time? We really try to integrate that into our daily practice. And what I mean by that is um, we have lunch and learns and we rotate who brings in experts. So some so you're really inspiring people to keep up on what's happening in your discipline and in your industry because you're rotating um, uh, the responsibility for bringing in a good speaker. We'll do the same thing. We have workshops. Um, I, we just had a workshop on content that was really valued by the participants. We do a lot around diversity, equity, and inclusion. We have a team um, in my department that focuses on it, and they have a monthly series. And uh, it's really interesting and, and gives you such a great lens for what we do for a living, um, which is better understand the people that we're trying to reach and understanding that they're very different. And we have to consider those differences um, in our segmentation and in our messaging. So um, I, I really think that there is an abundance of content out there and it, it's at your fingertip. True North has great content. Most of the societies that support um, our organizations like Shishmid have great content on their websites. You don't have to look far for it, but don't rely on just yourself, you know, one, one person being responsible for educating and developing, you have a whole team of people and they probably will be excited by the challenge of helping the whole team grow. So when you talked with, with us um, leading up to, to today, you mentioned you've got just a tremendous amount of things in the works in Michigan medicine and tons of, of opportunities. You know, I, Talk to us a little bit about kind of the most exciting stuff that you're working on right now and, and, and where you see things headed. We're really working on our digital transformation roadmap. And at Michigan Medicine, it really starts um, with our content management system. We just um, underwent a major review um, and we'll be instituting a new CMS. And that gives you such a great opportunity to relook at your content and from the ground up and 
what to do to make it so much more consistent and user friendly and um, and writing so uh, writing for search so people can find you and find your doctors and find your specialties. So I'm very excited about that initiative. We're also doing a lot around branding. Um, we are having a redo of our brand architecture, sort of looking at it from the also from the ground up and saying, what can we do to make things um, crystal clear about who we are and what we stand for? And part of that is um, a, brand, a new brand platform. We did a lot of internal research um, and we did that research with our um, faculty, staff and learners and really wanted to understand what they were proud about, proud of and what they wanted um, Michigan Medicine to represent um, to our external audiences. Then we tested that with the external audiences and we will be um, uh, working very hard to introduce a new brand campaign this fall. Another major thing that I'm really excited about is mission, vision, and values. We um, went through a process to develop a new vision. Actually, it was Michigan Medicine's first vision for the overall organization. And I personally was involved in facilitating more than two dozen focus groups where we could personally um, listen to what people thought our vision should be and then tested that with all 30,000 employees and physicians as part um, uh, of our online survey. So rolling out the new mission, vision, and values and giving people a chance to take a breath and connect to purpose and connect to our direction in the future after we've gone through so much with um, the pandemic in the last few months, I think is going to be really nice. And, and that'll be launched next month. And that's really exciting. And, you know, and this, I think, connects to some of the things that you've shared with us um, um, today around the leadership and, and, and voice. The HMPS presentation that you made uh, recently, you talked a little bit about the importance of bringing leadership along with you as you're trying to establish mission, vision, values, and any perspective you want to share with our less listeners on kind of how to go about that, like what what the not consensus, but but opportunity to galvanize people around what you're trying to do is. One of the things that I mentioned at the conference was the fact that I'm not a patient person, but I've had to learn patience because being very inclusive in a process like mission, vision, and values is so critical for success. People really want to own the mission, vision, and values, but they can't own it unless they got to participate in it. And from the very beginning, we um, said that we would do both focus groups, which allows a smaller number of people, but in a very personal way, to describe what they thought um, our vision should be for the future, and then conduct an online survey of all 30,000 team members and a large percentage weighed in and said what they liked about the themes that were emerging, what they didn't like about the themes, what they felt passionate about. And we were able to take all of this information over a nine month period and craft a new vision for the organization. And, and I think it's also important to, to say that the values had already been created before I started, but the organization practicing incredible agility said, you know what, we're going to revisit those values in the midst of everything that's gone on with COVID and everything that's gone on with our culture and 
anti-racism, and the need to have more social justice in the forefront of everything we do. So we revisited the values as well, and I think they're much better and much stronger. And now we're going to be rolling those out um, in September. And I'm really excited because I think connecting the dots again for people to the purpose is so inspiring and will be perfect timing after going through everything we've gone through for the last few months. I wanted to ask you about one, one other piece, Rose, which you've talked to us a little bit about patient experience. And in light of everything that's transpired over the last six months or so, while patient experience is always incredibly important, it feels like it is dramatically at the forefront of, of what healthcare organizations have an opportunity to think about. I'd love to hear kind of your view on the role of marketing in the, in the patient experience. I believe that marketing has always been about the patient experience, even before we use the words patient experience and customer experience, because when you are a great marketer, you're understanding what the consumer is going through. You're understanding their, their thoughts, their needs, their concerns. It's just become elevated um, over the last few years. And I believe that even if marketing doesn't own the patient experience piece in their organization, they play an incredibly relevant role. And they bring that perspective um, of the, the, the person that might not be a patient, but might be interested in being a patient to the table and really understand what is important to them. I also want to say that, that the patient experience teams in most organizations that bring together patient and family advisory councils should be used by marketing to tap those groups to better understand their needs, their, um, their interests, their uh, concerns. And I think that makes for just a really great way of engaging the right people before you develop marketing strategies. Rose, the last couple of examples that you shared about kind of rebuilding Michigan Medicine's mission and vision and working alongside patient experience there as well. You're obviously a very agile and really nimble marketer, and you probably have a really strong political capability within your organization too. One of the things I'm curious about is how you balance that with the side of you that's not very patient and just wants to move forward and the just get it done mentality. Like when do you build relationships and generate allies versus just going for it? You know, I think it's part of my tool my toolkit every day to be building relationships and um, positively collaborating, positively influencing. We work socialization of ideas that we want to carry out into our plans. So we actually have weeks where we say, okay, we're going to socialize the new brand strategy internally to make sure people understand it, are comfortable with it. And this isn't the first time these people are seeing it, but it's it's the last time before we roll it out publicly, reminding them of why we're doing it and what the messaging means, because developing those internal ambassadors are critical to the external success. Worst thing you can happen, worst thing you can have happen is when, you know, you're out and about and somebody says, oh, I just saw your, your hospital, your health systems campaign and the person either says, I don't know what you're talking about, or says, yeah, that's not what you're going to experience there. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that that's just the worst. So 
I've, I've really learned along the way that getting that internal buy-in and getting people to be um, feel like an owner of the brand and proud of what you're doing and how you're doing it is, is really worth the extra time it takes. Yeah, and I imagine there's an art to generating that feedback and that input without getting too much feedback and input to where it gets muddy. Any tips for people who struggle with that? Like maybe they get more than they ask for when they start socializing things around? You know, I, I think that if you say you're going to listen, you have to listen. Yeah. And so sometimes you're going to listen to input that you might not like or you might not be able to use. But I I think still listening and and keeping it in mind, whether it's for the current initiative or a future one, is really important. And, and that happens. You're, you're going to hear stuff that you're not really excited about, but it's that person's perspective. Rose, talk to us about your experience so far in the not-so-new-normal anymore. How, uh, how's it going working from home? How, how's it going managing a team in this new way? Talk to us a little bit about that. So it is a work in progress. Um, I actually really like working from home and most of my team members do. And they were very happy when Michigan Medicine extended our remote work through December 31st of this year. But I think it's something you have to continue to work at. Uh, we just had a uh, an executive team meeting today of my leadership group, and we spent at least 20 minutes talking about how we can improve working remotely for our team members and what do we as individuals need. One of the topics we I, I teed up today was a lot of us are extroverts, and we like going on Zoom, and we like seeing each other, and it's important to us, but there are people who are introverts. And they don't particularly like Zoom. And are we being flexible with how we meet one-on-one um, -on -one with our team members? And sometimes I really like a phone call. In fact, I had a phone call today and I went outside on my deck and I was getting sun and I thought, this is great. Um, I'm, I'm away from the computer. So I think I think the, the, the point of our discussion today was you need to continue to be agile. You continue to need to take a person's um, individual preferences into consideration. And there's just so many things to learn. I mean, I pull things off of best practices um, online all of the time on working remotely and share them with my team members because this is new for all of us and we're all trying to get better at it. It's been interesting. One of the things personally that I think I've uh, worked hard to cultivate this summer is just appreciating this time that we have at home and the extra time we have with our families, because for us, at least we're not traveling, um, which gives me a lot more time to be at home and to work out and to read books. Rose, you mentioned that you were able to take a vacation a couple of weeks ago and all you did was read books. Any recommendations for our listeners? So I've had a lot of fun reading, Jane, you're right. And uh, I just finished Mary Trump's book, and I'll just say it's very interesting and won't get into the politics. Uh, I also really enjoy novels that have a little mystery, and I just read The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett and loved it. So being able to read, being able to do more yoga, walk on my beautiful subdivision, um, the weather has just been great in Michigan. And just spending more time with the family has been really nice. 
I bet. I can um, appreciate the fact that you're in Michigan here in Minnesota. I couldn't imagine a better place to spend quarantine. There's a lot of socially distant activities that we've been able to do all summer. So it's been great. Absolutely. Rose, thanks so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. We uh, really appreciate you taking your time, sharing your perspective, and, uh, and, and we really enjoyed it. Thank you. Oh, I enjoyed it just as well. Thank you so much. Thanks, Rose.